Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly, and I'm uh, very excited today, or we're very excited, that um, we're introducing a good friend and beautiful professional in our community, Jody Martin from Martin Funeral Home. Um, we've been discussing lately, Jody, a lot of topics about death, obviously, with what we do. Um, and recently we're discussing um, funerals and how things have changed over the years. And we thought it'd be really fun to bring you in because you've been in the business for a long time. Um, to talk about thing, changes that you've seen. Um, and uh, we, we have questions for you. We're hoping you have questions for us. And we'd really like to also blend in what we see as energy healers through this whole process. So welcome. Thank you. No, oh, I'm happy to be here. Jody, can I start? Sure. Do you want to be known as Jody from Martin Funeral Home? Or do you want to us to add or ask you generally, like, are you Jody and an intuitive? Are you? I'm just Jody. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I wear many hats, ladies. <laughs> so. Oh yes, we know. <laughs> I, oh, we know many community hats too. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 see you out and about in this community as a person who cares not just about a grieving process. Um, but about how people live their lives as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. It's funny, you know, being, um, I'm a funeral director, so death is my profession. That's what I do. But I find more often than not, my message, my theme, you know, at work every day, whether I'm with families or I'm doing the social media aspect or I just have people randomly emailing me or texting me asking me you know about death and dying and grief it always comes back to living your life well you know and and how are we how are we living our lives um it's uh yeah sorry well I think you just brought something up that just kind of floored several people and you might not even realize you did but you just said that you do social media for a funeral home yeah, I do. Can you, is it okay to start with that for just a second? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm going to ask you something. Why would a funeral home do social media? Right. Yeah, I. you know, I think people are always surprised when I'm always like, you know, check us out on uh, Facebook and we're on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not so much on Twitter as I am on Facebook. Um, because, you know, why would somebody want to like a funeral home? Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about death. And I always say, you know, check us out. Um, I like, I put a lot of effort into our, our Facebook page. Um, I like to keep it really relevant and helpful and spiritual and inspirational. And it's never about trying to sell anything to anybody. It's just about, you know, living our lives well. I mean, because at the end of the day, life is short, you know, and I'm acutely aware of that, um, I've been in the funeral business for over 20 years. I've been licensed for 18 years, um, but started in the funeral service industry when I was actually only 14 years old, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and you realize how precious you know, this life is and how short this life is. And you know, a lot of people think being a funeral director that... Uh, that you would be a morbid kind of person or um, pretty serious kind of person. But I think it's the opposite of that. I think most funeral directors, you know, when you get to know them, um, we actually 
are pretty outgoing people who have a real zest for life. And I think that's because we, we appreciate that uh, life is short and uh, you've got to live it well because this is it, you know. Um, I want to jump back to social media mm-hmm. because that's one of the reasons that it, like it sparked the whole inspiration of having you. Um, I was going through a grieving process, losing losing someone in my life, mm-hmm. and I had been really angered by a lot of the traditions that I had seen were lost um, since since my last funeral. As weird as that sounds, um, Not but to me, yeah, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Um, but you had posted an article that says always go to the funeral. Absolutely, and it was something that I'd been kind of raging about in my head um, because of the lack of attendance that I had seen. And and that had floored me because mm-hmm. as as most people or most listeners know, I grew up in the funeral home just because of of mom and and the McGinties. So you posted this article saying always go to the funeral, and then you and I had the chance to speak shortly after that about why you were so passionate about it. So is it okay if I ask you to kind of launch into that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and you know it's funny, and not on purpose because I knew I was doing this podcast, but I just posted something about that. The other day on Facebook, I had a little blog um, that I had um, put up. And that's because um, I've had a lot of people come to me lately. I've had a lot of these kinds of conversations, not the kind of conversation I had with you, but um, particularly people saying, well, I don't do funerals. So, you know, I'm not going, I, I, I don't do funerals. Or I had a woman literally just the other day last week say to me, well, I'm not going, like, I can't do that. I just can't. And um, my point is, I think funerals are hard. You know, having to deal with death and, uh, and grief and all of that messy, uncomfortable stuff, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. I mean, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm a funeral director. This is what I do every day. And I don't like going to funerals when it's a family member or a friend. I mean, it's uncomfortable, you know. But I think the thing is that we have to realize is there's a reason we get together and we do that. When a family is going through something like that and people show up, you know, out of their comfort zone, no matter how uneasy it is, when you show up, that lifts the family in ways and helps them through their grief in ways that you can't even understand and it's hard to put words to it unless you've actually been through it yourself sometimes I think um but I mean you know like I think in my post I had I had made a comment that you know they say it takes a village to raise a child well it takes a village to to help a grieving family through their grief process too you know it really does um so it's important it's so important and it means the world to families to know that they're not alone in their grief I mean, with tears comes laughter and memories are shared and it sounds so trite, but it's true. One of the things that it did for me when my dad passed Mm -hmm. um, was uh, allow me to get to know my dad in a way that I didn't know him as a daughter. Absolutely. Yeah. So people came up and said things to me like, your dad paid for my university education. Your dad allowed me to get into Scholard Hall and I was a Protestant. And this was a Catholic high school. Isn't that amazing? But he needed a certain course to get into med school yeah. and then became a doctor. So he approached us as a family and said, thanks to your dad, um, I'm a doctor. 
And uh, we didn't know that. So we got to hear um, the different aspects of a life lived um, in a way that I never would have known had it not been for the process of what the funeral home provided as services. Absolutely. So what I see that you do with Ian is that you hold a space and a place for people to gather. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of, of getting together like that, you know. So this brings up a really um, <laughs> passionate point for me mm-hmm. is when I've, I've said to friends or family or just, you know, acquaintances, are you going to the wake? Are you going to the funeral for, for mutual, mutual friends? And they'll say, oh, well, I didn't really know the person, so no. And I, I'm I'm floored because growing up in the in the tradition, and I, I say tradition for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always taught that funerals and wakes were not necessarily for the person who passed. They were like we're talking about to support the people who are still here. Completely right. I mean, yeah, you know, I've heard it. I've heard it said that you know a funeral is a rite for the living, like R I, you know, G H T, and a rite R I T E for the dead, and. Personally, I think it's far more important to show up for the living than it is for the dead. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Um, and as two mediums, we can say that it's equally as important for the people who've crossed and over. I, and I can appreciate How's that? that. Yeah, I can completely Can, can we add that to it? That, yes. Because, oh, okay, this is awesome. I love just where you went with that. Because when a family member comes mm-hmm. and wants to talk to mediums about someone who's crossed over, one of the biggest questions we're asked, Jody, is did I do it right for mom? Did I do the arrangements right? Are you serious? That's so people one... are important and want to know if yeah, they, they, I want to know if, if they the funeral process. Did they get the right casket mom oh wanted? <laughs> did they get pink inside? No pressure, people. <laughs> yeah. Did they do my hair right? <laughs> oh Lord, no pressure on me. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Jody? The coolest thing is, is that there is no pressure on you, hopefully, because when you're in your own space as a professional doing what you do, doing what you love, as we know that you and Ian do, that you do. And get... the rest of our staff, too. Oh, of yes, course. sorry. Yes. We have the best staff there's no question about it yeah that you that you do get it right and that the family members want to know that they did too they want to know if mom or dad or so and so um was happy with all of the decisions made and how things happened and sometimes it's also equally as important for them to know who else showed up right of course I find more often than not families are blown away by you know, they're not sure. They're, there's always that apprehension going into it, right? Because it's it's the unknown. If they've never been through a funeral, you know, the funeral process before, they don't know what to expect. And, and um, you know what, more often than not, people are new to it. You know, we expect that everybody's been through this before, and but not everybody's in that position, you know? Like, um, it's important. It, it means the world. And I, I say that, I can say that because I've been through it myself, just personally, you know, with 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 my own family and I know being on the other side of it what it means to see people show up mm-hmm. when they show up on that hot summer day you know and you're not thinking the family's not expecting anyone's going to come because it's the long weekend or whatnot and then you know and then everybody's there for them that lifts them up I think too um and and I hope this comes out the right way 
when people show up and the family knows that they have inconvenienced themselves, whether it means they had to take a leave from work, you know, for the morning mm-hmm. in order to support them in their own grief, right. that's touching in a huge way to know that they've taken time out of their day and made special arrangements to be there for you. No question about it. Um, and as energy healers, not just as mediums, um, we get to see what that does to the chakras. Mm. And that's something that I, that we've both been really excited to talk about today because when you suffer a loss of your tribe, right? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll refer to it as that because friends and family are our tribe. Absolutely. That's your first chakra. That's your root. It's your entire pelvis. Mm. It's your stability. It's your home. It's your foundation. Um, and so when your people, your living people don't show up, you're already rocked. And so you don't have that, that nurturance or that feeding of that chakra mm-hmm. to feel stable again, to know that you're going to be okay, that you're going to get through it. And so that act of showing up feeds you, feeds your soul in different ways. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think what we're, what we're hoping to do, Jody, is describe what lifting up means to different people. When you say it lifts them up for someone to show up, it means they feel not just supported, loved, um, safe. Um, there are so many other things that come with the term lift up. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, for sure. I um, you know, whenever I say that, I can almost in I can almost visualize it. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like literally being carried, you know, because you know, people can be so broken during the initial arrangements, you know, uh, it's been horrible situations. I'm sure you can appreciate. And, and they're like, they have no idea how am I even going to get through this, you know? And then they do, they get through it. People show up, people send food to the house. They, they, they stop in and visit. There's cards, there's flowers. And they realize, you know, at the end of it, not the, you know, the end of the funeral part of it process. You know, I always hear that was amazing. I'm so glad we did that. And I almost, I picture it's almost like, like literally carrying them through. And that's hard work too. Like if you think about, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but this is just the way that I've always pictured it in my head. Like literally physically carrying people. It's hard work. Like, and that's basically what you're doing by showing up. You're taking some of that on for them. Their burden, you're lifting their burden, right? Uh, is it okay to start and ask some questions about um, the different ways that people uh, support, lift up, and how they've changed? Is that good? Yeah, absolutely. Are you okay with that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So one of the examples, um, because it's it's so fresh for me, um, I, would, I don't know if out of town makes a difference, but I was out of town when I heard about the death. Mm-hmm. I was with one of the family members and um, their co-workers decided that they were going to show up the next day to spend the morning with this person. And not one person brought food. And I was sitting there thinking, where, 
where are all the dishes? Where are all the casseroles? Where Where's all the food? Right. Um, because again, that was something that was so ingrained in, in me yeah. um, that when, when someone died, you made food. Absolutely. Or you picked up food and brought it to the house. You stocked their fridge because cooking is the last thing that people want to think about. Absolutely. Sometimes people don't feel like they can eat. And so why would they prep it? Um, when we talk about the chakras, you know, feeding someone is one of the most basic ways to support survival. And so when the food wasn't there, I kept thinking about how much the root chakra ached. And so it got me thinking about traditions that mm-hmm. have, have come and gone mm-hmm. um, or that people don't, like you've pointed out, maybe don't know about because they are new to this. Uh, and that's where we sort of wanted to give an example and then, and then let you kind of jump in with what maybe not has just gone, but also new traditions that have come in. Right. So as far as the food goes, I think, I think there's a lot of different factors in effect. Um, it's a generational thing I'm noticing. Wow. Where to begin with that? Um, food's huge and it's so important. I always say to people too, I mean, you don't know what to do send food. Somebody dies, send food. Somebody has a baby, send food. (laughs) That would have been like the best, you know, when I was having my kids, nobody sends food. (laughs) But anyways, um, but I think it's a generational thing. I don't know who these people were, Kelly, who that you're referring to or what their age group is. But um, I think there's a few different reasons that that's not a big thing anymore. It still is in some communities. I find in a lot of smaller communities, that's still really huge. You know, people will show up. Can I say, too, if people can't, um, like some people might say they just don't have the time uh, for food. You have time to go through the Tim Hortons drive through there and grab a box of muffins or donuts or whatever. Well, and this is funny because I I vividly remember this. I don't know who who passed, um, but years ago... I was in the car with my mom. My mayor called and said, so-and-so passed. Very normal conversation in the family. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, she said to my mom, you make you make the potatoes and I'll make the something dish. And my mom said, I don't have time for that. I'm going through the drive-thru. I'm getting coffee and donuts. I'll send those over. Perfect. Like, it was just such a simple solution. And it was still a way to feed. It was still an offering. Absolutely. But I want to add that in my mother's books, it wasn't an option. <laughs> <laughs> that you didn't send food, right? I, and and living as you do in in that environment as a as a profession, you get to understand how important it is. So I'm just trying to add that people have options that you can call. You know, here in North Bay, we'd call Greco's, yeah, <laughs> and order pizzas, yeah, yeah, and order pizzas or whatever, and that you can you can pay Visa over the phone and send the food, but that even even in spite of the fact that we are more stress aware of time, that there are now even better options to solve some of those problems. So it's still something that you can put in your mind that it's a necessary thing. But and I and I can still provide it just in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Jody, one of the things um, I wanted to ask you about was the flowers. Um, it's something that I still think is such a, um, a a beautiful part of what happens, but I don't think everybody who is doesn't grow up in that environment understands the importance of the flowers. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh. Um, well, what is it that you want to? 
Well, I think about when a lot of people, when the family first comes into the room the day of the first wake. Yep. And when you walk in, I just can remember families' faces where there wasn't a single bouquet. Oh, there wasn't a single thing in the room. And the the feeling that they have that there wasn't a, a, anything there. I think the flowers provide that beautiful visual, you know, pe- like you said, when people walk into the room... Yeah, it's an outpouring of love when they see flowers adorning, you know, the room. That's just it's it's a visual. It's definitely a visual. Um, flowers, I think, unfortunately, aren't as popular as they they used to be, and and that actually kind of makes me sad because I love flowers, even though I'm around them all the time. I know a lot of people who are working the business. Um, when I say the business in, in funeral home, um, you know, they get tired of the flowers or dealing with flowers. I love flowers. Flowers make me happy, you know, and I find you don't even nowadays, you don't have the, the big, you know, traditional kind of sprays with like, you know, heaven's gates, you know, anymore. People will send, you know, beautiful little bouquets or plants or, you know, that the family can take home afterwards and, which is really nice too. I think that's really meaningful. And something else that we do with flowers when when you know people do send those bigger pieces is if the family, you know, don't take them to the cemetery or they don't want to take them home or they don't take them apart themselves, there's always something done with them. Flowers are recycled. We will um, take the flowers to various nursing homes, uh, hospitals in the area, anywhere they want us to t- to bring them. And I know, uh, you know, oftentimes those places have programs with their residents where they take them apart and they'll do, you know, different things with them. They'll, they'll have um, flower arranging programs or just to make them happy and put a smile on their face, you know. It's like the beat goes on. Yes, yeah. I love that because you're talking about the energy of the love. Yes. So if we can shift a little bit, not, not taking away from what you've said, but that flowers are an energy. Mm-hmm. And that the person sending them is, this is a kind of a physical manifestation of their thoughts and f- emotions. Yes. So that when the person and the family arrives in the room, they receive the those emotions. Yeah. Coming from the thought that goes behind the flowers. It's so true. I never really thought of it like that before, but it's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think we have to bring in here the importance of how flower shops have outdone themselves in adding small things to the bouquets so that families can keep something Mm -hmm. as well. Because, Mm -hmm. and sometimes these are some of the greatest affirmations we get as mediums. Oh, and in this flower bouquet, you know, there was um, uh, a rifle or there was a a little butterfly butterfly, or there's, there were certain things. There was a whole flower arrangement that looked like, um, you know, uh, how do I say it? Like a, a bush or something. It was all wildflowers. Right. Yes. They're important. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that people wouldn't understand or really acknowledge what the flower shops can do to enhance that in the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And personalize it for people. Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking how, how you've described that on a physical and metaphysical level. And I, and I also want to talk about like kind of going back to their manifestation of thought, 
because I know like I've looked at bouquets before and you know I always love going around and reading the cards to see who they're from mm-hmm. um, because sometimes you you recognize the names and sometimes you don't and so if I see that my friends have put their names on it I know that those flowers say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And when I don't know the person's name, I know they've sent flowers and it means I loved her. Right. Or I loved him. Mm -hmm. And I get to think of that person that I've lost in the way that I got to share them with the world. I got to share that person I loved with other people. And it, it builds connection. It builds that feeling that when you feel so isolated and alone in that death process of having lost, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a tiny reconnection that you feel. Yeah. And that feeling of being carried that I'm going to get through this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Any little thing you can do, you know, flowers, food, um, making a charitable donation. Um, my gosh. Jody, flip side of it. Um, are there any traditions that you've seen that have fallen by the wayside? And I'm and you can add whether you think it was a good thing or not, or maybe you don't care and you don't feel you have to. It's not a question of judgment. Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay, I can think of one, but you... Yeah, no, go ahead. Do you want me to start? Yeah, sure. Well, I remember being in the car and saying to Kelly and Andrew um, many times that when I was a child, the police always did an escort for every every service. Every service. Every wow. service. So there was always police escorts. So before every funeral, the police had one car and they had their lights flashing. Right. And they did that for, for my dad's funeral as well. And um, I would say out of courtesy, mostly, because it's not done anymore. It's still done. Oh, yeah, there you go. Every now and then. And I think in the case, I remember for your dad, yeah. that probably would have been because, you know, he was a very prominent, well-known person. There was a lot of people showing up. Um, and Well, you mean for safety. <laughs> <laughs> crowd control. Part of it would have been for crowd control, for sure, to make sure everybody oh, got right. through the lights. But of course, that, you know what, we've had... We've had police escorts before, though. And in your dad's case, it would have been also because... But isn't that... Doesn't that say a lot, though? That that we had to have a police escort because there were so Mm -hmm. many people showing Mm -hmm. up, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not just for the logistics of it, but... Mm -hmm. But people pay attention when they see the lights, right? And now, you know, in funeral service, we have the purple lights. So the purple lights... Um, we, we put on top of the, either the lead car or the funeral coach. Usually it's the lead car. Um, so now that kind of has taken, um, taken the place of having to have a police escort because there is a flashing light that catches people's attention. Um, not everybody pays attention though. And this is one of the things that's one of my big, okay. When I was a kid, when that flashing light went by and you saw a hearse uh, or a funeral coach, you stopped. You stopped. Absolutely. Everybody in the street stopped. I know. Because when I'll say my dad in this moment, yeah. just in this moment, because everybody can relate to something like this. When my dad died, my world stopped. When somebody dies, your entire reality stops and changes. I know. And for society, to stand still for that moment when you're, you're driving, driving by. by to the church or service or funeral or cemetery uh, lets you know we know your world stopped today. I get that. And, I get that. 
that your reality will never be the same. It's very touching. And I'll tell you from my perspective, being in the car with the family and you hear them talking and recognizing people that are pulling over, you know, people that pull over that are going in the opposite direction and people that are stopping on the side of the street, even removing their hat and just standing or putting their head down. That, again, I keep saying that means everything to them in that moment. That's exactly what you said. That's an acknowledgement that I see you, right? That's what we all that want. That I see you and I can connect to you and I know what it means to hurt. Absolutely. I know what it means when your world is crashing down around you and you don't think you can breathe. Oh my God, exactly. Yeah. I think too, there's, I'm not rushing you. Because mm. I know um, funeral processions, literally the cars following each other has changed too. Um, because traffic doesn't maybe necessarily know to stop. Um, but when someone, like you're saying, stops in the streets or pulls over, there isn't this rush that you need to get through your process, that you need to get anywhere quickly. Exactly. They stop with you. That's the point. That's yeah. the reason that funeral processions started in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's a big one for families when people stop and and take that moment it's huge so can i go into maybe the reason that it might not be happening anymore by bringing up another tradition that i've noticed Mm -hmm. is that um there isn't a procession anymore a lot of cars and uh, sorry i shouldn't say anymore and i'm certainly not picking on your on your funeral home um I don't see a line of cars anymore. Yeah. They're it's still like, there. They're, we're still doing processions. There's no, there's no question about it. You know what I think, Kelly? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is you, of course. People just aren't paying attention. Everybody's so yeah. damn busy, you know, getting to where they need to be or they're on their phone or they're, you know, in their head somewhere mm-hmm. that people just don't, they don't pay attention. I don't think we have one procession now that people don't try and, cut in or mm-hmm. cut in front of or they'll just cut right in and they don't even know they're in the middle of a funeral procession you know yeah and but also I know because I was I was pulling out of the funeral home to be a part of the procession yes. and my partner had said well how do I get to the church and I said well just follow the line and he said there is no line everyone's pulling out in different directions oh wow and there was no family car the funeral home had not offered to even drive the family members, right. like the immediate ones. And so there was actually no um, organization to it. Everyone was expected to get to the church on their own, find parking on their own, and that was it. What's the point? I mean, I just want to clarify that yeah. wasn't at our funeral No, home. I know. That's why I said I want to make sure this is not a you thing. <laughs> um, that's why we're called funeral directors, because that's our job. We direct people. We, we help you through the process and tell people, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. This is what's happening now. This is what's happening now. This is what's happening now. You know, before a funeral procession, we always make an announcement in the chapel or the church while everybody's quiet and together. Um, we will flag the cars, you know, for safety reasons, too, and to let people know that they're part of a funeral procession. Um, you know, we always ask people, you put on your high beams and your four-way flashers, you know, I should, I should note that when you're in a funeral procession, you do have to obey regular traffic laws. So if the red, if the light turns red, 
you have to stop, you know, I mean, oftentimes if you're, um, just on a side street kind of going through, people will be respectful and see with all the flashing lights and the high beams on and the flags that say funeral, that they'll be respectful and they'll wait. Um, but it's, you still have to obey, uh, you know, traffic laws for sure. I think one of the things that I hope people are hearing here from the two of you in this last bit of the conversation is the word respect. Mm-hmm. And um, and to actually highlight that in case the listener isn't hearing that word respect right now. And maybe pausing for a moment to question why they didn't hear it. Because you're saying about organizing, you're saying the funeral director directs. Mm-hmm. And I hear that it commands. I hear that you are a commanding presence here. And that that is what is needed when we're grieving, that that is needed when we don't know how to behave, when we don't know what is expected of us anymore as a culture and society, that you hold that position, Jody, Mm -hmm. that that you and Ian and other funeral directors hold that force. It's like showing up at Emerge and the nurse at the triage has (laughs) to provide direction. Absolutely. It's like any other job in a schoolyard. And you know what I mean? That's what we're there for. That's the whole reason that we're there. It gives me a sense of safety if I know that someone's commanding and directing it. And, um, but also that society then around that is going to support that. And I think that's one of the things and reasons why I like the show is that we've lost a lot of that in our culture. Mm -hmm. We don't really have presidents anymore that command or prime ministers or, and I'm not picking on anyone current. I'm just saying through society, we need that in healthy systems. Yeah, I believe that. And that provide the boundaries in healthy ways for us. We Mm -hmm. need the structure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You had asked me um, at the beginning of this conversation just about what I see that's changed, whether good or bad. I, I mean, I could. We don't have enough time to, today for me to tell you about everything that's changed that I wish would go back. But um, I'm just trying to remember the point that we had, and it made me think about this um, about people stopping to acknowledge the funeral procession, right? And and in in their pausing letting letting the family know that i i see you and i understand that's what the point you had made and you know there was a time a long time ago where when a family when somebody died the family would actually hang a wreath on their door like um, i don't know if it was called a mourning wreath i want to say or something but that wreath and i believe there was like even an armband that people would wear mm-hmm would let them know that people driving by, you know, delivery people, whoever, that they were grieving. And sometimes I wish that there was a way, I mean, not that everybody wants to be pointed out, you know, as the grieving widow or person, but sometimes I wish that there was a way to acknowledge that for people because you never know, right? You never know what people are going through. That person that cuts in front of you and you give them the bird or standing. I, I remember after my grandmother died uh, 10 years ago and uh, my grandmother was, a, was very close with her. It was pretty devastating for my family. And uh, and I mean, I was a funeral director at the time and, and I, I remember standing in line at uh, a grocery store 
And I was acutely aware in the moment of the fact that all of these people around me had no idea that my world had just like fallen apart. Like the floor just fell out from under me. And it gave me a new perspective, you know, just to be a little kinder because you never know what people are going through. They don't have, you know, a t-shirt that says, I just lost my son or that band on their arm to show, you know, the Jewish faith, they have Shiva. And uh, not that I'm an expert on the Jewish faith, but I know that they have a week, seven days of mourning where they're allowed to just mourn, like without having to do anything, no expectations, nobody cooks, everything, they have to be taken care of in every way, shape and form. And I think how amazing is that? If we could do that for our, our loved ones, our family, our friends, you know, to just give them that time. I mean, a week's not very much, but to just say, just whatever you need to do, you just, you know. I hope if someone's listening to this and they're a manager, an owner, a director, that they understand maybe a little bit more after listening to your show, Jody, when an employee loses somebody. Oh my gosh. And they're expected, they have a day. Yeah. And and if it's not an immediate family member, maybe it's a grandma and they think that that's not an immediate family member because it's not a spouse or a child, that they don't even get a day and that some people aren't even given 5 minutes in the day to to um to grieve. That's astounding to me. Oh, and it's a reality. Oh, I know it is. Trust me. I've I actually worked for a corporation when I was first licensed in the funeral business. And they had the same policies. Uh, even a pet, aside from um, your mom or grandmother or father or brother, I mean, they're part of the family. That's huge. P- and people are devastated. He's my kid. He is. I get that. I have one. <laughs> I know. Been there. You know, it's everything. They're everything to us. And we're supposed to just go on. That's, yeah, that's where it gets complicated. Are there other um, traditions that you have seen change? Hmm. Well, back in the day, everybody would do, you know, it was, you'd have the two full days of visiting, two to four, seven and nine, two to four, seven and nine, and then funeral mass or service on the third day. And I find that's really changed. Um, People are still doing the traditional funeral. When I say traditional, they'll still do like the afternoon and evening with a service. Uh, the next day. But uh, I think the thing is, it's changing. People's needs are changing for a lot of different reasons. I don't think we have enough time in this day to go on about why people do or don't do uh, have funerals anymore. But I think people are just they're. I know we are the funeral industry. We're we're just adapting. We're adapting to how how life is changing and in general, you know, for people. Um, like I said earlier, people are busy now. And I find, I don't want to say quirky. I don't want to say quirky. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but somebody will die in a family and they'll have them cremated and then they won't have a service for a month or two. But it's got to be on a Saturday because, you know, everybody works. and And instead of just acknowledging that this this has happened like we can take the time 
right now off and acknowledge it and instead of it being convenient but I think that's just a product of of our society these days where we, we want convenience and so we've had to adapt to that for sure um, and churches have had to adapt to that it's a changing business like every day every day so I believe that wholeheartedly how much you have to change. I've seen it in the in your website where you provide the service of somebody anywhere in the world being able to send a message to oh, someone sure. who's passed. Mm-hmm. So you're finding ways of still creating connectivity. Yes. So um, um, is that a good way of wording that? That's a great way of wording uh, it. Okay. And, and that connectivity meaning grieving, meaning communicating, mm-hmm. and that if people don't understand very plainly that by sending a card, by writing a note, by emailing, like, or sending through your, your site through the funeral services, the family takes the time to sit down and read those things and absorb that. And that's part of a grieving process, instead of becoming a depression. Absolutely. And I do believe, Jody, that grieving can end up becoming a depression for some people if they don't actually live through and go through the process of grief. There's no quick way through it. And I think that's what a lot of, I think that's where a lot of problems come up. And, and when people don't want to do the hard work, um, you know, and part of that is acknowledging the death. You know, it that doesn't mean you have to have a big, fancy, traditional funeral everybody's different. What's right for you isn't going to be right for me or right for the next guy. It has, it's a, it's a very personal thing. There's no question about it, but you have to acknowledge it. I mean, I think there's something to be said about, about those rituals and about, you know, letting people show up and, and, and share and, and comfort you. And I mean, every single person, every note, every flower means so much back in like years ago too we saw funerals more as well, I don't know if this is correct but as something that was that was more somber and one of the things that I see that has definitely changed is that it's not quite that way all no. the time you can go to a wake and a funeral now and it's stories yeah people are are bringing up and sharing memories some of them are funny some of them are just stupid they're just because maybe the guy was just stupid but stupid funny or or quirky or whatever exactly but that they're not it's not like I think if someone is listening to this and they haven't been to one they may already have preconceived ideas of what they see in movies and on tv completely yeah they're not the quiet uh you know sad somber affairs that they that they used to be for sure because they're more personalized now people are bringing in their own music they're bringing in their pets they're bringing in movies. Um, we have slideshows in all of our visiting rooms now. Um, food. I mean, it's it's more of a it's a it's a get together. And I think the funeral home just provides um, a, a, a neutral place for everybody to gather and share like that. Oh, thank God! Thank God you said <laughs> neutral because there are family dynamics, oh and my some God. people we both going to write a book someday. <laughs> We know that there that in times of high emotion that there are different family dynamics, and one of the best things funeral homes do is give neutral ground, yeah. so that um, different people with either different beliefs 
or whether they've been fighting or not, there's space. And one of the things that you provide at your funeral home is that there are, there's the visitation room, but there's the lobby, there's the hallway, there's a lounge, there's all different spaces so that if you don't like somebody there, you can continue to do your avoiding issues. We can accommodate (laughs) everybody. I wanted to go back just I you guys had a nice a nice flow you were talking about the difference between grieving and depression and that grief can turn into depression after a certain time like you said if if people aren't willing to do the hard work I think there's also a fear um, to grieve because it's labeled depression right away Mm -hmm. and we we've seen a lot of people come through in, in the practice where they have literally lost someone last week and their doctor, because they haven't slept in a week, has put them on sleeping pills and saying that they are depressed. And there isn't a def- or a, um, a differentiation in society between grieving and depression and that one is a process and one is this state that is so stagnant. Uh. People forget that grief is a process. Uh, and, you know, we make fun of it a lot, um, the grieving process, you know, knowing about, um, oh, now that's completely escaping me, but, you know, um, what is it where you want to bargain with, with God or, or source and all those different right. things. Yes. And there's anger and there's acceptance. Right. There we go. Um, but it is a process and you do move through it, even though you can't necessarily see it. Um, but a lot of people, I think they, they skip to, well, we saw it coming and we expected it and it's good that she's gone. She's in a better place. And there's this, there's this desire to have moved through it completely for fear of being considered depressed, for fear of being medicated or of someone being impatient with us thinking we're depressed. Right. Because grief is messy and it's uncomfortable it's like I was saying earlier, and nobody wants to have to deal with that, right? Oh, she's crying again, you know? Oh, it's hard work. There's no easy way around it or over it. You've got to go through it. And, uh, and there's, no, there's no beginning and there's no definite, you know, end to grief too. It's, it's a very, I say it's a very personal thing, and it is a very personal thing because every death is different. Every relationship is different. Um, you know, somebody dies and, you know, your, your father dies and your relationship with him is not going to be the same relationship that your siblings had with him or that your mother had with him or your kids had with him. They're all different relationships, all different experiences. Everyone's going to grieve differently. And having said that, it's not so personal either because grief is something that we all experience as human beings. And uh, I say you have to do the hard work. I, I like that. I appreciate the comment about the, the medication because that's actually come up recently with, um, with a client. And just how surprised she was that her doctor was so willing to just give her sleeping pills or something to kind of numb the pain. And I was really proud of her for recognizing despite her circumstances, that she shouldn't do that or that she didn't feel like that was right for her anyways. That she knew that, that this was hard. This was a really difficult circumstance, but this is what, this is what life's uh, you know, thrown at her. And um, she knew that she had to feel it. She had to feel the pain mm-hmm. and, and that that was going to help her get through it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think some people, they think, well, 
you know, it's a suffering process and you don't deserve to suffer. So don't, you know, seek something that doesn't make yeah. you feel at all. Right. And it's, it's not about deserving suffering. It's, it's like you say, it's a natural process of, of life. Yeah. Uh, and it is a necessary one for all kinds of growth. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why, you know, people who choose not to have a funeral, I think a lot of the reason that people choose not to have a funeral is because they think they're going to eliminate that. They think they're going to make it easier. Well, if we don't have to, I'm not going to put them through that. You know, people who want to come in and prearrange. And I completely respect everybody's choices, but I like to have the conversation that, you know, that they're not making it easy. It's not going to, they're going to grieve whether you have a funeral or you don't have a funeral. It's just a matter of whether you want to let them acknowledge it and have the support that they're going to need. Like what you said earlier about that, that there's no definite due date. There's mm-hmm. no expiry date like no. milk in the fridge that goes sour. Like you're, you're done. Here's your due date. Absolutely. You should be over this. Absolutely. And some people that come to see us as mediums have lost people decades ago, maybe five, five decades ago or six, and they're still looking for the connection. They're still looking for something. And that to me says, as Kelly said earlier, it's process. It's it doesn't mean you can't go on with life. It just means that there's still something there. And it's in, I'll call it nature's time mm-hmm. or universe's time or your spirit's time to be able to take all those pieces back and weave them again into your life. Exactly. And that that's purposeful. That isn't done um, randomly, I'll say. It's done by your spirit intentionally. Mm-hmm. That there's a beautiful way that that happens in a life. And I, I really want people to hear that today who've lost somebody maybe seven or eight decades ago that they still have the right to miss them. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Somebody's part, you know, a huge part of our everyday life. And then suddenly they're gone. That that never goes away. But we're all but I think that goes just to show how connected we are. I mean, we're always connected to those people as you too know that's actually been a huge part of my how I've tried to help at the funeral home too is because um you know I may not consider myself to be a a religious person but I do feel like I'm a very spiritual person I've had some pretty awesome experiences that have you know that shown me that uh that our loved ones do that there's no death you know um wait continue that our loved ones do they do go on they do live they they there is no death you know um part of what i do uh, i implemented uh, what what I, we call the continuing care program at martin funeral home um i did that after our last child was born when i came back to work so basically you know aside from just all the practical stuff um helping people with um all of the paperwork you know applying for canada pension and notifying old age security and insurance policies and canceling cards and all of that stuff that has to be done um, afterwards. Um, you know, there's there's the whole um, grief and bereavement aspect and just helping them with that. And I, of course, I've included uh, you two on, I have a list of some grief and bereavement, local grief and bereavement support. And because um, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to know that. And I always include a poem that's very near and dear to my heart. It always has been, and it's called Death is Nothing at All. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but and it, you'll have to read it. <laughs> well, we can put it on a link for when people are listening to the podcast. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. 
And it speaks to me. Yeah. It's funny that I'm in the death care industry and I'm saying there is no death. <laughs> I think it's appropriate. I actually, <laughs> I, kind of funny. I actually see, and I, and Jody, I, I'm happy you see it as funny, but I personally wish that more funeral directors understood that and, and not, not to put any of them down, but for all people, not right. just funeral directors, healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, I wish it for everything. Oh, I wish it for everybody too. Yeah. There's no question about it. Wouldn't life be? <laughs> well, yeah, because you're at the hospital and they're saying, please go in now and say your goodbyes. And I want to say something like, uh, why don't you just say see you in a few minutes? Yeah, right. Uh, things are going to shift here, but this person isn't leaving forever. I think it would change the way we process all of it instead of thinking that it's something final, done and over. It's a huge help. And, you know, I've always said to people as well that do decide to go and see um, a medium that it's almost like until you're in it until it's happened to you and then you have your own personal experience it's almost like this secret society that nobody talks about you know what I mean and you talk to a lot of especially grieving parents and and then you know and then they realize that they'll have their own experiences, whether they go to a medium or they just make those connections on their own and they just know that, that, that they're still around, you know? Am I allowed to share a story about that? Sure. It was at your funeral home. Yeah, absolutely. I went to awake, um, at Martin funeral home. I think this was a couple of years ago now. And, um, the people in the, in the family, um, knew that I, that I'm a medium and watched me as I was going through the wake. <laughs> and um, every time the person who passed away, the, the deceased, wanted me to give a message to somebody, my earring went flying out of my ear. Oh my god! I had hoop earrings on. And it, they would knock the back off of my earring. You know, and women who have backings know that they are on pretty secure sometimes. My earring would come flying off. It would roll on the carpet, do these little zigzags and drop at somebody's feet. And I'd have to walk over to that person. And just as I would get to that person, I would have a message from the deceased person saying, and one of the messages was to his wife and she couldn't find the financial papers, the will. And they had been looking everywhere during the funeral. They were so upset because they couldn't find them. And he said to tell her that they were in the garage under the wrong year. So instead of under like 2016, they were under 2013. He put them in the wrong year. So I said to her, I'm really, are you okay to get a message here? You know, she says, yes. I said, those financial papers you're looking for are under 2013. They were there. That's amazing. And that was at the funeral. That was at the wake. You'd be great to have on staff. (laughs) (laughs) So she was able to relax During the rest of the funeral, during the rest, because she got her message, because she was in such a panic over those income income tax statements. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they watched me for the rest of the time while I was there because they kept seeing that the earring was popping out and I was giving messages. So eventually his son came up to me and said, the earring hasn't popped out yet, but do you have a message? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What a gift, eh? so great it was really fun yeah no doubt about it (laughs) and I have to say I was so happy 
to let his wife know that because of her stress level. If it just took her from a 10, because you're at a 10 at a 10 when you're at your husband's funeral, to maybe a 9.5, if I just took her down 0.5, that's good. Yeah. Because sometimes that is just enough. For sure. Yeah, people must find it really uh, interesting to see the two of you walk into the funeral home. (laughs) There's no question. (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, yeah we're no, aware no. yeah <laughs> it's it, it can be problematic too <laughs> for us I can imagine but I mean having said that it's also wonderful I don't mean a problem in a negative way right yeah. right I you know I never people always ask me you know at the funeral home they always want to know they want to hear the stories you know does anything weird ever happen or do you ever see any ghosts or and and the yeah, strange thing. I say strange, strange, you know, to the normal everyday person, things do happen all the time. Um, but I always like to think that, uh, that our people, uh, go home with us, you know, at the end of the night, (laughs) that they're not just like lingering around in the funeral home, floating around, you know, that, uh, that they're still, it's what I always tell families. I'm like, they're not, they're not here. They're not interested in just hanging around here. They, they go home with you. Is that is that the way it is, or I what? I love that. Yeah, that's the way that I would that's, like to think. Why would they want to yeah. stick around there? You know. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and it's just perfect the way that you worded it because we've heard people ask about furniture in their home. Should I should I take his chair out? Should I move on? And it's like, well, what if he just wanted to go home and sit? Uh, some some souls they do they they go back to those places because it is home for them mm-hmm. before they're comfortable with crossing or even though they have crossed and they're in multiple places at once their chair is still a place for them in this in this universe absolutely yeah that's actually one of my stories that Kelly's bringing up is um when a woman came to see me her husband was it Kelly yeah it's in a podcast I think it's called a husband's apology Oh, he wanted to come, he wanted to come back and sit in his chair. And that's how she was like, that's my husband. That's how she really knew I was for real. And I wasn't just pulling shit out of my ass. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how she really knew I was connecting was that he said to her, I just wanted to go home and sit in my chair. And so at the end of the funeral, at the end of the wake, he went home with her each night and sat in his chair. Love that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable if we end it there? We're Absolutely. roughly at an hour, and I think it's funny because, Jody, if I can share, you say that you listen to the podcast and that they always end right when you're like, what? No. <laughs> what? We're just getting started. <laughs> um, but we would for sure love to have you back um, to discuss more more of what you know, more of what you see, um, and as always, open up the floor to uh, to listeners. If you want to submit your questions or your comments or your own experiences um, to info at bysarlo.com, that would be absolutely welcomed and and wonderful. Jody, I'd love to have you back so we can find out more about Jody Martin and your own <laughs> gifts. And like this was very much about you as the, I'll say as the funeral director, the professional, but I know that incorporates you as the person because you bring all of yourself into your profession, into your mother, wife, girlfriend, you bring yourself into all your roles. So um, we look forward to having you come back very much if you'll have us. Absolutely. I know. I really appreciate you, uh, you inviting me. 
here today to talk about all of this. I love you guys. Oh, <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> Thanks.